0: In today's episode, we will discuss how we serve our special populations who are affected by sexual violence. Peace and light, family. This is Elegant Granny, your creator and host of the Proactive Eye Podcast. Last week we kicked off our first annual sexual violence awareness avocation. We started off discussing some stats and my personal experiences. This week we are discussing serving special populations and how they are affected by sexual violence. Each survivor of sexual and or domestic violence is affected differently by their assault. Much of the diversity in reactions to assault or abuse stems from the groups survivors belong to. Those groups may be as simple as age groups or as complex as faith or cultural groups. When we discuss serving special populations, we are not attempting to generalize or stereotype the issues or experiences of specific populations, but are attempting to provide education on how to better serve groups of people who may need different types of services due to their life experiences, their background, age, sexual orientation, and etc. Oftentimes, these groups have a history of oppression in society, and that oppression can affect the way a survivor responds to and heals from violence. We'll start by talking about child victims. One in four girls and one in six boys will be sexually abused before they turn 18 years old. 12.3% of women were aged 10 or younger at the time of their first completed rape victimization. 27.8% of men were aged 10 or younger at the time of their first completed rape victimization. 96% of people who sexually abuse children are male, and 76.8% of people who sexually abuse children are adults. 34% of people who sexually abuse a child are family members of the child. The average age at which girls first become victims of prostitution is 12 to 14 years old. And the average age at which boys first become victims of prostitution is 11 to 13 years old. Only 12% of child sexual abuse is ever reported to the authorities. Some of the concerns are, because children heal very quickly, especially in the genital area, there may be a lack of injury that is visible to the naked eye. Even a forensics exam may not discover injury to the vaginal or anal area. Injuries like broken bones may require x-rays done by professionals who can recognize patterns of abuse. Children are sometimes intimidated by the emergency room or shelter environment. They may be fearful of large groups of new people, especially those who are sick or injured in the ER. Children could be overwhelmed by the combination of unfamiliar smells and sounds. They may fear getting separated from their parent or caretaker or fear getting lost. Some children are uninformed about the reason they are at the emergency room or shelter. They may blame themselves for the separation of two parents or for the arrest of an offender. Children have undeveloped genital anatomy. Therefore, the collection of some swabs during a forensic exam is more painful for them than for adults. They sometimes fear telling the truth about an assault or abuse if the offender is a parent or caretaker. Children are sometimes embarrassed during a pelvic exam in the emergency room. And those who are abused by siblings may go back to a household with the offender. These are some of the special things that we are concerned about when it comes to children who are victims. A host of needs and services child victims need, but I will only give you three or four on the list. I will also do the same with the other populations. Advocates and companions should believe a child's story regardless of the presence or lack of injury. Advocates and companions should also advise accompanying parents, caregivers, that injuries could be healed at this point and that the lack of injury does not mean that an assault did not occur. Although it may be obvious that a child is not disclosing violence that did occur, it would be detrimental to assist the child with answering questions. It is also detrimental to a case to educate a child on terms the child should disclose as much or as little as she or he prefers to in his or her own words. Advocates and companions should assure child victims that the reason that they are at the ER or shelter is not their fault and that only people who hurt other people are to blame. The medication required to prevent STDs or STIs can be difficult for children to swallow. It is most helpful to have plenty of water or soda on hand for the child. As a last resort, the forensics nurse may offer the medications in liquid form. Something to know when dealing with our teen victims. During a 1-year period in the US, 16% of youth ages 14 to 17 have been sexually victimized over the course of their lifetime. 28% of the US youth ages 14 to 17 had been sexually victimized. Special concerns for the victim in the ER as they are teens. The forensic nurse may ask questions about consensual sexual intercourse and teens may be worried that a parent or caregiver could find out. Some teens may be brought in by parents and caregivers who do not want them having consensual sexual intercourse or the teen may not understand that the consensual intercourse they are engaging in is really a crime. Some teens, especially those who have been problematic for their parent or caregiver, may not be believed by their parent or caregiver. Some of the needs and services that they are acquiring in the ER are when addressing concerns about pregnancy and STDs or STIs, it's important to educate the teen victim or his options for testing. Allow the forensic nurse to explain medications in detail. When a teen does not want to report an act of sexual violence because the teen considers it to be consensual, it's important to educate both the teen and parent or caretaker on reporting options and let them decide together. If a teen's parent or caregiver does not appear to support or believe the victim, it's important to remember that the sexual assault response volunteer or program may be the one and only support system for that victim. Moving on to victims who are adults who were molested as children, self-report studies show that 20% of adult females and 5-10% to of adult males recall a childhood sexual assault or sexual abuse incident. Children who had an experience of rape or attempted rape in their adolescent years were 13.7 times more likely to experience rape or attempted rape in their first year of college. Some of the special concerns for this victim are depression, anxiety, trouble sleeping, and eating disorders, low self-esteem. They also experience having problems such as an inability to trust, poor social skills, or reluctance to disclose details about themselves. Some exemplify self-destructive behavior such as substance abuse or suicide attempts. They may have flashbacks and panic attacks, post-traumatic stress disorder, and sometimes feel they may be judged for not reporting their abuse or assault sooner, or they fear that too much time has passed. These victims often have difficulty remembering the small details or timelines involved in long-term abuse and fear that it will be de- detrimental to a prosecution. The needs and services by this demographic are they need considerable emotional support and encouragement that they have always made the decision that was right for them at the time. These victims need to hear that their past experiences and decisions do not have to define their future and that there is hope for healing. They need to know that they are not alone in how they feel and react to their history of abuse or assault. Guilt, shame, anger, hopelessness, suicidal thoughts, loneliness, and etc. are all very common amongst survivors of childhood sexual abuse. As we serve our elderly victims, it is important to note, during a three-year study of elder sexual abuse, it was more common for there to be at least one witness to the sexual abuse, about 76.2%, than for it to occur without being witnessed, about 23.8%. During a three-year study of sexual abuse to elders, 16.7% of elder sexual abuse victims lived with family members while the majority, 83.3%, lived in a nursing home or other adult care facilities. In one study of elder sexual abuse that did not screen for institutional sexual abuse, 81% of the suspected offenders were caregivers and 78% were family members, primarily husbands and sons. Over one-third About 36% of the suspected offenders were themselves elders. Now, these findings are preliminary findings in cases in Virginia and also from the Journal of Elder Abuse and Neglect. Some special concerns for the victims who are elders. Hearing impairments and confidentiality. Visual impairments. Arthritis or immobility. Use of terminology as it relates to sexual violence, modesty, dementia or Alzheimer's, fear of removal from the only home they know, even if the abuser or the offender is there. Some of the needs and services are, some elderly victims may need an advocate or companion to speak louder due to a hearing impairment. However, keep in mind that the louder you speak, the higher the likelihood that a patient in another bay or room can hear the content of the conversation. Some elderly victims may not have a hearing impairment, but they simply process information slower. In these cases, as an advocate or companion, they should speak slower and ask for verification that the victim understands the advocate and companion. Elderly victims with dementia or Alzheimer's can become easily frightened, frustrated, or angry, especially after experiencing a trauma. They may be confused, and their account of what happened could seem inconsistent throughout the reporting process. Cases like these are very difficult to investigate and prosecute, so advocates and companions should be sensitive to the challenges that these victims will experience in the ER and potentially throughout a criminal justice process. Advocates should be mindful that elderly victims with dementia or Alzheimer's may easy, make easy targets for offenders because they may seem less credible. Now here's a demographic you don't hear discussed much. Our men. About 3% of American men, 1 in 33, have experienced an attempted or completed rape in their lifetime. Compared to those with no history of sexual abuse, young males who were sexually abused were five times more likely to cause teen pregnancy, three times more likely to have multiple sexual partners, and two times more likely to have unprotected sex. Some of the special concerns for these victims are males who report an incident of sexual violence may fear that people will question their masculinity. In some states, Males do not have a shelter specifically dedicated to serving men who were victims of domestic violence or sexual violence. When males need shelter, they are often housed in a hotel without the support of fellow victims. Male victims of sexual violence may not feel comfortable reporting an act of sexual violence to male law enforcement officers. They may feel self-conscious during the forensic exam. Male victims, especially teens and boys, may question their sexual orientation if their offender was or is also a male or a female. They may have experienced a betrayal by their bodies during an act of sexual violence and may fear that they will be misunderstood during the reporting process. Some of the needs and services for our men are advocates should emphasize that safety and survival are the only considerations for the people who want to help the male victim, not masculinity. They should also be careful to maintain a natural presence or appearance during law enforcement interviews. Law enforcement may appear uncomfortable. The victim may appear uncomfortable. The advocate should uh, should appear comfortable, excuse me, because this is a natural part of the reporting process. When male victims express a concern over their sexual orientation, it means that the victim feels extremely comfortable with trusting the advocate. It's important not to indicate any personal judgments against certain types of sexual orientation. The advocate or the supporter should assure the male victim that being sexually assaulted by a male or female has no bearing on his sexual orientation. Male victims need to hear that experiencing an erection during an act of sexual violence is not uncommon. There are some myths around our men who are victims. Some of these myths are men are not victims. Men don't get depressed. Men don't seek help. Men don't need therapy. All of these myths are so far from the truth. That's why they are myths. Men need just as much attention as females and children. So please, if you are a male victim or have been and you are a survivor as an adult, please go get some help. Hopefully, I have said something in this brief episode to help you be mindful are some things our special population experience. Today's show was presented with notes from my training as well as my experience as a volunteer for the Sexual Assault Response Program. And to others who have a desire to be supporters, I hope you realize how important you are. You are greatly appreciated. It is important for everyone to know that you are a great asset in this world and it is very important after a life of abuse to see a physician and a mental health specialist to help you excel as you recover. Let us know in the voice message on the Anchor app or by email at proactiveia@gmail.com at some things you do to help yourself heal. This concludes part 1 of serving our special population to heal from sexual violence. It has been a pleasure sharing with you today. All links to connect with us and free resources are in the show notes. Feel free to download episodes and take advantage of the free resources provided. You can visit our blog at bit.ly forward slash pepodcastblog. That's bi forward slash pepodcastblog. You can also connect with us on Instagram and Twitter. The handle is at ProactiveEye. You can also connect with us on Facebook. The handle is at Proactive Eye Podcast. This has been your host, Elegant Granny. Thank you for your support and visit us again. And remember, healing is a continuous process, not a one-shot deal. Much love, peace, light, and healing vibes, family. <music> Stay tuned for next week as we continue with part two on serving our special population healed from sexual violence.